The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. Um, So I'm going to start out today and just tell you, I'm in like the worst possible mood of my life. And my poor guest, Mariah, must think I'm a flaming bitch. So that's how I'm going to start the episode today. (laughs) I don't know what's wrong with me. I think I'm having hormonal issues. I don't know what it is, but I have just been in such a bad mood all morning. And that's just a great way Um, to start out a podcast. I'm sure my guest is not terrified of me at this moment and is so psyched to be on. Hi, Mariah. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Hey, I think you're doing great. Honestly, I'm all here for it. We're a team. Really? Really? Well, I I just like, like, it's one of those mornings before we go into and introduce you. It's one of those mornings where like, everything like went wrong. Like, and I were, I'm lucky to be here. Like I'm blessed, hashtag blessed, all of that stuff. But, um, like woke up this morning, wrong side of the bed was annoyed with my husband. Um, dog like did some ate trash, um, children, first child had to go to camp complain, like yelled at me the whole way. It was just like one of those mornings. And then I couldn't get it together. Stubbed my toe, like just everything. It's like one of those days, you know, we all have them. Mm -hmm. But I'm so excited to have you on today. And we have been playing like, I like, what is it? Email tag or Instagram (laughs) tag for probably months now. And 
I think part of it, to be honest with you, Mariah, is because I'm scared to talk to you today. And I feel like I'm going, I'm a Catholic. I feel like I'm going to confession. We've all been put here for a reason and we all deserve acceptance. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. I'm a trauma survivor from a really young age and I have been diagnosed with complex PTSD in the past few years. I've been surrounded by death and abuse much of my life. I've been dragged through the mud and have been to the point of not wanting to go on anymore. Through my interviews with other survivors, I've learned that there is a way out. From recovering to surviving and thriving, we all have the strength to come out the other side. You are listening to Judging Megan. Um, But everyone, I am introducing... Mariah Rayner. She is a money coach and she also set, and I quote, this is how I asked how to introduce her. She says she's going to save us six figures with confidence. Is that right? Is that the right intro? That's okay. That's perfect. That works. We can do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would like to save six figures with confidence. And this isn't like I said to you before we started, obviously this is a mental health podcast. Um, I talk a lot about trauma, but let's talk about this, Mariah. Money is in it like spending, shopping. You're, if you're, mm-hmm. if you know me, you love the girl loves to shop. Um, money and shopping can be an addiction, right? All stemming mm-hmm. from yes. trauma, from childhood and mental health. But also people are afraid to talk about money and be real about it. And I'm one of those people. Let me get your thoughts mm-hmm. on that. I think that that is very normal. I think that money, even just from the standpoint of society and conditioning, we're not really raised typically to openly talk about how we feel about money, what our financial situation is, what our thoughts about money are. So as we grow up, we just kind of carry those beliefs with us. And that shows up in the way that we spend money, the way that we save money. And I also see it show up in sometimes like how, how much we work or overwork, right? Mm -hmm. So money and our emotions with money can show up in so many different areas of life and your relationships. So do you think that people are afraid to talk to you? (laughs) I mean, is it like one of those things where people are like, I'm going to put this off kind of like doing a will like kind of like I don't really want to I don't really want to come to terms with whatever the financial situation many people live beyond their means like you know um let me ask you that do do, do do are people afraid to talk to you or are you like a priest when people go to confession let's be real so my my real approach and I think you could ask my clients but I try to have fun I my mm-hmm. philosophy is that money is fun and money gets to be fun. And it might not feel that way right now. But the more you actually be in relationship with money, the more fun and we'll even say like, the more neutral it is, right? Because it kind of has to be like neutral and okay. And then we can be like, oh, it's fun. Um, So I try to make money light and fun with my clients because money is here to stay, no matter Mm -hmm. what, whether you like it or not. And so we might as well make the best out of it. Well, let me let's get your background. So where are you from? I am from, well, I was born in New York, but my family moved down to Florida. Um, so I'm here in Florida, Tampa. Ooh, go Tampa. Everything Shout Tampa, Tampa over here. Shout out Tampa. <laughs> um, my mom lives in Florida too. Um, oh. Let me ask you, how did you kind of get into this industry? Were you, do you have a background in finance? 
No. So my background is in education. So I went to school to be a teacher. So I've always loved like teaching, learning, helping. That's just ever since I was little, I used to like make my sister let me teach her things on my whiteboard. That's just how far it goes back. Um, So my background's in education, but I got a job working for a cell phone company when I was in college and I quickly started moving up in my career. And so I graduated college and I stayed working at this corporate job because I was making more than double of what a teacher would make, especially in Florida. That's a whole nother conversation. I know teachers aren't paid enough. Yeah. My mom's a teacher. I mean, I literally just had this, I just did an episode and we talked about senior care. And in the beginning I talked about how my sister's a teacher too. Um, It's so wrong that teachers aren't paid enough, but that's a different episode, but go, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So I stayed with the corporate job for a while and I started making really good money. And I was noticing that even as I made more money, I just was spending more money. I had debt. I couldn't keep money saved in my bank account. And I just, I really couldn't grasp why, because I knew that I was smart, right? Like I knew, like logically I know math. Um, And, you know, growing up and I won't get too much into my parents' story, but growing up, there was a lot of, not a lot of conversation about money, I should say. And when there was conversation about money, it was typically in the form of arguments. So Mm. just kind of a little bit of my background there. But so I started really looking at, okay, I do not want to kind of go down this path of just being in debt, putting things on credit cards, feeling stressed out by money all the time. I want to actually like enjoy my life. I want to take vacations. I want to like do fun things and not feel bad about it. And so I just honestly started working on myself um, and just personal development and leadership development because I was in a leadership role at my corporate job by this point. And so the more I really just started to work on like myself and my mindset and I started going to therapy and I just really started to be in relationship with me, it kind of led me down the path of being in relationship with my money. That's kind of how I ended up here. I paid off $60,000 of debt. I saved over a hundred K by the time I was 26. Wow. And yeah, it's just a whole journey. You should literally give yourself a pat on the back just for that alone. That's really impressive. How, like, what do you say to people? We'll start here. What do you say to people about having conversations with their children? So I have Mm -hmm. kids. uh, I never Mm -hmm. had a real conversation about money with my mom. Um, And my, I lost my dad as a, as a young teen. So money was always something we are, my mom and my stepfather argued about in our house as well. And it was just something where it's like, oh, like you just take it for granted. You don't really know how to manage it. I was lucky that I was, you know, grew up uh, in an affluent family. I went to boarding school, but I never really understood the concept of saving. So tell me what you would say to somebody that is a parent and they're trying to have a conversation with their child. I'm sure you have those conversations with clients. Yeah, I always say, and this is even like the teacher in me because my degree is elementary education. And so I've had experience with like younger kids. I think just being open and honest, right? Like they don't need to know like every single detail, obviously, but I think too, what I've noticed with clients is 
for example, if like their child wants something and for the parent, it's maybe not in the spending plan or they don't have the money, instead of just simply being like, nope, you can't have that, actually taking the time to just explain like this, like how it works, like talking to them about what they want so that it's not like for me growing up, it was always like a very reactive response around money versus a conversation. And -hmm. I think kids, even at the age of like three, three, four years old, they can, they understand when you're like talking to them. And so just communicating and being honest, which can feel really difficult on our end, right? But just having that open conversation from a young age. And also, I, you know, I love the concept too of not making it wrong for your child to ask a question about money either. Mm-hmm. Like it's not rude. It's not wrong. Like they're curious. Kids are so curious. It's not wrong. You know, it's just a, it's a weird concept. The concept of money, like just for a child in general or an adult, like we just, like you said in the mm-hmm. beginning, we just kind of take it for granted. We need to have money. Money's not ever going anywhere. And the relationship that people have with it is, really interesting. I know with my 13 year old, she asked me for something and I usually just get it or, you know, there's a giant fight about it. And I have not been very good about laying down a law of like, maybe I should open her, her own like checking account. What's your advice on something like that? Do you suggest to parents or clients of yours to open an account for their kids? So I think that's a great idea. I -hmm. also think it depends on your child as well and like where they're at and again having that conversation with them because I think kids are also they mature slightly at different ages as well Um, but I think at 13 for the most part they would understand the concept of okay maybe this is my allowance or this is how much I've earned or this is how much you know my parents are giving to me and they understand the concept of money and spending and subtracting right this item costs this I think it's less about opening the bank account and more about the emotion and like our, our energy around money. Mm -hmm. Does that, what comes up for you when I say that? Do you have any thoughts? Um, well, I don't like, I'm one of those people, like I just, like I said a few minutes ago, I don't like to think about money. I've, I've always been a spender. I love nice things. I like, you know, a designer bag or two or three. Um, And I don't think I've always had the healthiest relationship with it. Like, you know, as far as saving goes and all of that stuff, because mine really stems from how I was as a kid. And I, what scares me is that my kids will end up the same way where they'll just be like this. I really want this and I need to have it. And if I don't have it, like, there'll be consequences. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And so that's what I think people, I think women, especially like I have two daughter daughters. I would love your thoughts on this. I think women really struggle probably the most with how to figure out how to be savers. Like I have an older sister. She's a total saver. Like she saves every penny she makes, but then there's like me, who's the opposite who came out like my mom, you know, we both love to Mm. shop. We like nice things. She does too, but she's just always been really good with money. So I'm always shocked that we're from the same family. <laughs> yeah. So actually when it comes to, and I don't know your sister, so I'm not saying this, this is her per se, yeah. but sometimes even when like two, like a two siblings from the same family, the, the one who kind of spends 
and the one that saves, it could both, it's still both a money relationship, right? Because what I'll see too, not just with women, right? Men and women, if we try to like save every penny and not spend any of it, that's not necessarily right or wrong either, right? Like I always say the money that you save is meant to be spent, whether it's now Mm -hmm. or later. So just because you like nice things and you like to buy things, there's nothing wrong with that. And what I would look at is first, like, why is it, why does it feel wrong if you like to buy nice things? Like that doesn't mean you're not good with money. I want to have a conversation with my husband. He's available this (laughs) afternoon for you to sit down and have a a one on, I'm joking. Um, Okay. (laughs) But let me ask you this. Um, Do you like, so if somebody comes to you and they want it, they either want to come up with like a plan to save, to buy a house or save um, for their retirement. Where do you start? Do you have like a step-by-step plan? Do you have like different, um, different tiers? Like, tell me, tell me about that. Yeah. So I have like a process that essentially all my clients go through, but we always start where the client's at. So if somebody came to me and they said, and this is typical, kind of typical of my clients, I really want to save more money. I'm making really good money. Yet I love to buy nice things. I love to go out to dinner. And I just feel like I should have more to show for it. Like that's mm-hmm. like a typical situation. I always like to start with, let's look at what's happening with your spending. And the first thing I usually notice is that, especially with women, there's a little bit of guilt or shame around spending money or spending too much money. And that right there is the first thing we would work on because when you have shame or guilt around something, it's very hard to slow down enough to actually look at it and make a plan and follow through because when we're making a plan or we're trying to make changes from shame, it doesn't usually last long-term. That's interesting. So you agree with me that it's mainly women. I would say when it comes to the shame around spending money, it's definitely Uh more women. Now, I do see with men a shame around, I should be making more. I should have more. I should have a nicer car. It's a little bit, it's similar. It's a similar concept, but it's about slightly different topics, I guess, if that makes sense. No, that's so interesting and makes total sense because think about it. Women in general were taught from a young age you know, be pretty, look a certain way. Like it's about what you're wearing, um, Mm -hmm. what shoes, what bag you have. Um, and that's like a society, that's a status symbol, right? Whereas men Mm -hmm. are taught from a young age, well, what are you going to do with your life? What Mm. are you going to become a doctor? Are you going to become a lawyer? What are you going to do? And it's, it's two separate paths. Whereas women are taught, you know, what are you going to get married? Are you going to be a Mm -hmm. career woman? Well, if you're going to be a career woman, I hope you get married too. And you better look good. I feel like I'm doing the monologue from the Barbie movie, but, um, (laughs) and men are told something totally different. So it's interesting to know, like to have that all piece together and make sense. And they say that in marriages, there's two things that couples fight about. The first thing is money. And the second thing is the in-laws or the family, right? Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? On the, about fighting about money or, or the in-laws. 
I'm joking. No, <laughs> about fight, no. about fighting about that's money. another podcast. Yeah. Um, about fighting about money. So yeah, I think it comes down to communication because which I know that sounds like a typical answer. So I'm going to explain, but I think when it's already hard for us to talk about money or look at our own money, or we already feel shame around money. Now, when you're bringing that into a relationship with another person who has their own feelings about money and their own expectations of what they should be doing, again, it turns into a very reactive conversation, um, which is why it makes sense that you see parents and and couples argue about money or get divorced over money because mm-hmm. it can be a very reactive topic because there's a lot of emotions around money that we don't ever talk about. Or well, what do resolve. you say to people that come in and they're in that situation? I'm sure you must run into it all the time. Mm-hmm. You have a couple that sits down with you and they're, the husband's like, she's spending too much on blah, blah, blah. And the wife gets defensive and then um, they walk out. Or they don't want to sit mm. down. It sounds to me like you might even be kind of the same thing as a couples counselor in some ways, because mm. am I right on that? So I personally don't work with couples and I'll tell you why. Okay. Um, I actually, I have worked with couples in the past actually. And I will tell you too, I see less of him, like uh, the the man in the relationship being like, my wife spends too much and then her getting defensive. What I see a lot of though is men more being like, I already did it. I I know what to do. I know where Mm -hmm. the money goes. And then the Mm -hmm. the wife being like, well, like, can you, can you, can you include me? What I get a lot of is divorced women who are like, I never looked at the finances. I never knew what was happening with the money. Now I'm divorced. Now I want to like work on my relationship with money. That's, I get a lot of clients like that. Or the people I have worked with that are married, when you start to heal your relationship with money, you're able to bring the money conversation to your spouse from a neutral place. And so it's a lot less reactive because it's only reactive when both people are being re- reactive. And I'm, I'm Italian, so I use my hands a lot for those who can't Me see. Too. I'm like doing Me too. crazy Irish stuff. Irish and Italian, yeah. Um, it's so, interesting that you say that though, because uh, it is, I have several friends that are either going through divorces or are divorced or have come out of an, a marriage with a narcissist or whatever it is. And they don't, they never knew what the situation was with their money. My mom mm-hmm. was one of those people. And I don't think she would be mad if I talked about this because she was married to my stepfather, who was a monster. And um, she just kind of like looked the other way. And I think mm-hmm. if there's one thing that I learned from what I saw and from, you know, you just bringing up that point, ladies, if you're listening, I know the majority of my audience is female. I love my men that listen to but know what the financial situation is, know where you're, what you're signing or when you do your taxes, be aware of those things. It's one of the most important things that you can do in your life. God forbid, like somebody passes away and you're happily married. Do you have a will? Do you have, um, do you know where your assets are? This stuff is really important, right, Mariah? Yes. Yes. And it, like you said with the will earlier, you kind of made a joke that like no one wants to do it. Things mm-hmm. like that go remotely fast. Like you can you can create those things pretty quickly and then you just don't have to worry about it again. 
Well, I'm going to tell you, I told my daughter, um, and this, this is just like a little sidebar note. So my husband and I have, have been like, you know, doing or starting the will. I know we're old and we should have done this long ago, but whatever, it's never too late. And I told my daughter after much thought, like who she was going to go to and she, her face lit up. She was happy about it. So (laughs) we're that's a total side note, but I, I honestly yeah. was like, oh, okay, well, I guess she's okay with either of us or the both of us going, but that's more of a joke. I, I do think though, that's so, so important, um, not to beat a dead horse, just to know what's, what your financial situation is. If you're the, the wife and you're staying at home and your husband is the breadwinner, you just never know in life what can happen mm-hmm. sadly. And, um, and so it's really, really important. So tell me, um, backpedaling a little bit. So the majority of your clients that come to you are women, which mm-hmm. kind of makes sense yes. because women really like working with other women, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's fun. Yeah. And I think for me personally, if I were going to work with a money coach, which I think I'm going to work with you after once we finish this, because I like you a lot. Um, I I think that we just feel comfortable. You know, a lot of times Mm -hmm. women, if you're sitting in a room with a man and we're talking about money, we're automatically feel like, am I going to say the wrong thing? Am I going to feel stupid? What are your thoughts on that? Yes. And I think So there's like this kind of joke in like the financial world that like the people dealing with your finances are old white men. And Mm -hmm. I just feel like that is like not approachable to most people these days. Like let's just diversify women, people of color, whatever, like money gets to be talked about with everyone. It's not just old. This might sound a little aggressive, but it's not just old old, white men. Like it's true. There's women CEOs and (laughs) Yes. Yeah, there's women CEOs and w- women business owners and women who make money. And then also, you know, women who are just curious about money or who want to talk about money. And if and if you're a woman and you're listening, there's rooms, there's networking groups, and there's, there's other women that you can find that will have a more open conversation. And that's something that I've done is like, the more networking I do with women in like, the personal development space, they are more open to talking about money. And it's actually very therapeutic to have a safe place to talk about what's going on. Um, So I think that that's an option too, just to start getting yourself in conversations with money. And it doesn't have to even be like, this is how much debt I have. It can just even be a conversation around, um, you know, like I bought this thing and like, this is how I felt about it. Like me and my friends always, like I have a best friend I talk to and I'll text him when I, I just bought um, some training classes for my dog. And I was like, I just spent $1,000 on Risotto's training. And he was like, hell yeah. And I'm like, yep, feels good. And it's just good to open the conversation up around money. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. This time of year is the worst. I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D, designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like 
I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And and know that it's coming from a place of like you're investing in something. Like take yeah. it from me, my dog never got trained, um, and she's a complete nightmare. Um, so I have two. One's good, one's bad. Um, but going back to the steps. So say the majority of your audience is female, um, mm-hmm. and I I'm just giving you an example. I just got out of a. I'm in the midst of a horrific divorce. Okay. And I have no idea where my money is. And by the way, if my husband's listening to this, this is not, we're not getting divorced unless you have some plan that I don't know about. Um, and we, I don't know what has been signed over or like where my assets are. What do, what do you say to somebody like that, that might come to you? So my job as a coach because I'm sure there'd be some um, legal things involved with that conversation that I would not be the one giving legal advice. But what I would look at first is really talking about what emotions are coming up. And I know that sounds kind of like basic, but we first, before we can really get into, again, making a plan or like making changes with your financial situation, it's like what emotions are coming up and spending the time to really work through those emotions and process them Um, and that's something we would do together because what we don't want is to make money decisions from an emotionally heightened reactive state. So do you, are you, do you kind of feel like you're kind of like doing therapy as well? Like it starts with what, why are you spending this way? Why is this important to you? Like, does it start there? So I, I say coaching can be therapeutic. It's definitely mm-hmm. different than therapy. So like, and I'm not a therapist. So, but my personal experience with therapy was very much processing past events in my life. Like I've done EMDR therapy. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. Yeah, I have. Um, I've done it too. Yeah. 
So with coaching, what I like to look at is like, what emotion is coming up for you in the moment? And how can we process that? So when that emotion around money comes up, you're still able to kind of like work through it and then move forward when you're ready versus letting the emotion kind of stop you from taking the steps necessary. So sometimes past events come up, but we don't spend the majority of our time focused on the past. We spend a lot of time on the present and implementing those skills and tools into your future and different circumstances with money that would come up. Do you sit down like with a plan, like step one, this is what you're going to do. Step two, like talking about wills or whatever else it be. What it, how does that work? Yeah. So the way that I do coaching is very tailored to my clients. So there's not like call one is this specific call two. It's really, again, like the foundation for saving money or making the phone call to, to create a will, right? Is you being confident and feeling confident talking about money, looking at your money, knowing what's happening with your money, making money decisions. And so we really usually start with like building up your money confidence. So money confidence and money neutrality are two like frameworks that I teach my clients. So money neutrality is essentially teaching yourself and and kind of relearning how to look at money as if it's more neutral, not so emotionally heightened. And then once you're feeling neutral, then we start to build on your confidence with money. So it's easier for you to talk about money. It's easier for you to look at money, think about money, have conversations around money. And then once you have those two foundational skill sets, now we're like, okay, like what financial changes do we want to make? Because what you'll see, I don't know if you've ever heard of like somebody gets, um, they win the lottery or they get signed to like the NFL and they make millions and then they spend it all. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Goes back to your, your confidence with money, your emotions with money, your relationship with money. Right. Because I always like to say that money just kind of, the more money you have, it's just going to amplify your relationship with money. So if your relationship with money already feels kind of like you don't want to look at it, you don't want to talk about it, you don't want to think about it. If you get a lot of money, you kind of like repel the money Mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. Right. It's kind of like P Diddy used to say more has like more money, more problems. I mean, it's true. And it, Mm -hmm. and it is so common that in the NFL, these young boys, you know, they, they go to college, they are college athletes, then they come out and they, get signed into the NFL, you know, starting quarterbacks, 800 grand, blow through it all, get injured. And then what's their plan after that? Right. Yep. And, and what, and also to piggyback on that, how many stories have you heard about somebody winning the lottery and blowing through the lottery? Yeah. I mean, I would say 90% of the people that win jackpots in the lottery blow through the money. Have you heard that too? A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I don't know what the percentage is of people that blow through it, but it's really, really high more times than that. Yeah. Yeah. And even on a, like, even on like not a large amount of money scale, like I see it with clients who get like a bonus, like an end of year bonus, they get $20,000 and the whole thing, they spend the whole thing. And they're like, I have no idea what I spent it on. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not 800,000, but still it's the same concept just because it's a bigger number, your relationship with money and your money habits are still there. I think it's so interesting what you're saying, because it is so true. I'm, I have since my childhood, this unhealthy relationship with money. 
I'm scared of everything. I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, there's money. I have to, I have to go buy a bag. Like, you know, and my husband's like the one that's like the saver and he's like, no, no, no. And so we do fight about it. Like every, probably every other couple on the planet. But, um, I think it's important to, to like, take a step back and, and, and realize like, we don't have to be afraid. It's just like baby steps. Right. Am I right on that? Yes. I always love, and I'll give you that. Everyone listening can do this. It's very powerful and it's super simple is start to think about every day. Like what is one money win that you've had today? It could have happened last year. It could even be something like I had a goal to make a hundred thousand dollars and I'm making a hundred thousand dollars. Like starting to really acknowledge what you're doing right with money mm-hmm. often because our brain always wants to go to what we're not doing good with money. I, my, my brain does that every day. Um, do you suggest like maybe keeping a journal or something like that? And, and like of little wins and things yes. like I get in trouble all the time. Cause I take my kids to Starbucks every day, like every day. And I added, and my husband actually added it up and he's like, Megan, you can't go to Starbucks every single morning. They, they both get drinks. They both get, um, like a sandwich or whatever they want, like a cake pop, And then at the end of the month, you add it up and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I spent that much money at Starbucks. Yeah. So the idea of journaling might be a good, a good option. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, no win is like too big or too little. It's like, I added up how much I spent this month at Starbucks. That means you like faced, even if your husband added it up, you're still facing your money. You're like, I'm at least aware of what I spent. Like that's a win to me. That's a first step because without the awareness of what's happening, you're not going to, we're not going to make changes anyway. So that's a win. Okay. So you're saying those, like just a few steps. So if somebody came to you and they were like, Mariah, I want to work with you. You sit down. Do you talk about like a budget for a month or you start with the steps you kind of, we already talked about, and then maybe finding your wins, but what are some things that like, maybe somebody can't work with you. They don't have the budget to work with you and they just want to have some tips and they're at home right now, stressing out about money and ways to save money or whatever it be. Yeah. So if you're at home right now and you're stressing out about money and you're not at a place where you want to invest in coaching, that's totally fine. Instead of going out and budgeting and trying to make budgets, I would really urge you to start with, okay, I'm going to give you an activity. Think about, how do I want to word this? Think about five to 10 goals that you've had with your money in the past that you've already accomplished. That's a good point. Five to 10 goals. So like, what would some examples of goals be? So like I had a goal and I, and I like to, and I like to start here with like, what were goals that you had that you've already accomplished? Cause it's like showing your brain, like, oh, I have made progress with money. I've ha- I have done some things with money. Even if it's something like that, you had a goal to buy a new couch and you did it, or you had a goal to stop going to Starbucks five days a week and go three days a week. Like mm-hmm. any win, nothing's too big or too small. Like at one point I had a goal to pay off $60,000 of debt and I paid it off. It doesn't have to be 60 for you. It could be, you know, you had a goal to pay a hundred dollars towards your credit card and you did. It's just that 
we, we create goals and then when we hit the goals. We're so focused on the next goal that we're not giving ourselves enough credit to build up the confidence of like, I've, I have made progress with my money already. And that's really important. I love that advice. Do you think um, that somebody that like really sits down and thinks about this stuff at the end of the day, like you're a perfect example. How in God's name were you 26 years old? And did you save a hundred grand while paying off $60,000 in debt? Like, tell me that story. I'm sure my audience would love to hear it. I, that's shocking to me because most 20 something year olds do not, would never. Yeah. So my, the beginning of my story was, I won't name names, but I, I followed a specific financial person out in the world and I do not really love or agree with their approach now, but at the time it was like the only thing I could find. So when I was working on paying off 60,000, I kind of started there, which is not necessarily my recommended approach going forward for, for others. Um, but my approach in the beginning was very aggressive. Like I'm going to put every extra penny I make, like, and I was throwing all my extra money towards my debt, which did make some progress with the debt, but Mm -hmm. I still felt that shame and guilt anytime I was spending money. And so that's kind of like the beginning of my story. Um, and then as I started working on my relationship with money, like we talked about earlier, I got to a place where I was like, okay, I still want to like pay my debt off. The first debt I paid off was my student loans, which Again, neither here nor there. I was in my head. I really wanted to pay the student loans off, so I paid the student loans off, which was like twenty something of the debt. Um, so I paid those off, and then my next big debt was my car, my Jeep, Jeep, Jeep life. Um, I used to have a Jeep too. Yeah, I loved. Jeep. I love. I loved my Jeep Wrangler. It was my like my That's favorite it. car I ever had. But go on. It it was my dream car. It was my goal, my, my dream to get a Jeep, yeah. and then I did. Um. But I when got I was in probably like, around your age in my twenties, are you, well, you're, you look so young. Yeah. I don't want to ask your age, I'm but still I, in my 20s. Yeah, okay. So I, I also, I thought I was in the movie clueless and my, I had a white Jeep Wrangler and drove her cross country to LA. So same really? thing. Yeah. I yeah. It was my that. favorite car I ever had. <laughs> oh my goodness. We'll have to talk about that more yeah. later. Um, but yeah, so then as I continued paying off debt and I was like, I was feeling more confident with money just because I was doing the other inner work. I was like, okay, I can slow down. I don't, it wasn't, what happened was it wasn't a rush anymore. And I noticed when I stopped making it a rush, like I need to pay off debt. I actually started paying it off faster, which was interesting because I wasn't just putting a payment towards it and then like needing to use my credit card. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Right. Because when you're in a rush, you kind of do things without planning them or really thinking them through. And so I just started to become more strategic. I was looking at my money more. I wasn't feeling so in a rush. I was able to kind of enjoy money and spend money on things and make a plan towards my goal that I could just follow that was sustainable. And that's really what it was. It just, it was to a point where I was working a plan that I made, but it was in a sustainable way to where I was still doing things and enjoying my life. Cause in the meantime too, my husband and I also paid for our wedding. Um, like we both contributed obviously to the wedding, but so that was another thing I was saving for while I was paying off debt. Um, so my advice is if you do have a money goal, notice if you're feeling very urgent about it, like it needs to happen like this week. And if that's the case, I recommend trying to take a step back and really looking at, how can you achieve your goal and consider the things that you want to buy, 
the day-to-day spending, the things that you enjoy. Because if you're allowing yourself to enjoy money while working towards your goal, you're a lot more likely to actually follow through on your plan. And that's what I did. And then it took, you know, it took years. I didn't save a hundred grand and pay off 60 grand in a, in a, a month or anything. It mm-hmm. took, you know, four or five years, but you know, you just stick to it and you don't, you don't have to be in a rush. Well, I think that's great too, because you, we are in different stages of our life. And like for me and my husband and my family, we're like having to think about college and, mm-hmm. um, eventually retiring and all of that stuff. And so I think it's really important um, to have plans and think about this stuff. And if you are listening and you are, and nothing against my male listeners, like I said, I love you, but this happens very often for women that we are very afraid to have a relationship with money. And I know that Mm -hmm. because I have many friends that have you know, we've talked about this and it's just kind of one of those things. You don't want to think about it. You just want to go out and like have fun and, you know, I'll think about it later. Um, so I really appreciate the fact that you have brought up all these points. I think it's really important, but just for the different stages of life. So if you had a client that was older and came in, can they still kind of do these same, same things? Or do you, do you have different, like, start like packages per like where you are in life financially? Yeah. So actually a lot of my clients, I would say are in their forties ish Mm -hmm. to Mm fifties range. Um, And so we do talk a lot about retirement and saving for your retirement. Again, I don't give like investment advice or anything. That's not my rule, but the foundation still needs to be the same, right? Because whatever your goal is, whether it's saving to buy your first house or to buy a new house or to send your kids to college, the foundational money skills are going to be the same, right? We need you to be at a place where money feels neutral to where you feel confident looking at your money, making decisions with money, where you're not feeling shameful or guilty when you are spending, right? We need that foundation first. And Mm -hmm. then it's like, let's get the facts. So in the first like month or so of coaching, we do get all your numbers and we do make a money plan. And at first, it's really just to kind of bring everything to the surface and see where you're at, but also look at what emotions are coming up around seeing your numbers. A lot of times people are surprised. They're like, oh, I have more money than I thought I did. Or, oh, I forgot I have like this old 401k sitting there that I haven't looked at in like 10 years, right? Like a lot of times you notice a lot of things about your money that you didn't realize you had. So that's always a, a good thing. Um, and then we make the plan and the way that, cause I work with all my clients for six months. And so we're working on your relationship with money and we check in on your plan week after week. So whether we need to tweak the plan, if you've had some emotions come up around the plan, if you've gotten off track with the plan, we're able to coach on your mindset, your relationship with money, as well as like the strategy part of it. So it doesn't matter necessarily what topic you're saving for, like what specific thing you're saving for. The Mm -hmm. strategy is quite similar. Do you go through like a bill, for example, like for me, I was actually just thinking about this before I was talking to you. I, I, we have all these subscriptions, right. For like Spotify, for like Hulu, all these different subscriptions Mm -hmm. that we have. And to be honest with you, like at the end of the month, I'm like, I don't even know like what I'm spending on those things. So do you kind of go through that kind of stuff with people too? 
Yes. Yeah. So this part of my process, I call money intimacy, where we get Mm -hmm. real intimate with your money. So not only do we figure out what you're actually spending on everything, but we figure out like, what do you want to be spending money on? If you don't use Hulu and you don't want to be spending it, like I'll give you one quick example of one of my female clients. She used to pay like a monthly membership for like a spa. And she actually had stopped going because like you pay like a base amount and then you pay extra for when you go in for your service. She had stopped going because she just, I guess, didn't want to spend money there anymore. But she felt like uncomfortable calling the spa to cancel her membership. Right. So we're going through her money because she felt embarrassed. She's like, I know them. I've been going there for two years. Like there was like shame around it. And so, yes, we figured out how much she was spending and that she didn't want to spend the money there anymore. But then we were able to coach around creating some neutrality around calling and having a conversation around canceling a membership, but also the confidence for her to make that phone call. Right. So you I see there's how there's both love sides. that. I'm sorry to talk over you, but I think it's, that is such a common thing with women like if you're mm-hmm. shopping, I, like I said, I love to shop. Um, and there's a few stores that I just, I love. And anytime I go in there, I kind of am like, Oh, do I need to like, I feel like almost guilty. And I mm-hmm. think that there's women in general, like we feel like we have to bond with each other and talk to each other and fit in and mm. shopping or going to the spa or all of those things. That's like, a way for women to bond with each other and talk to each other. Am I right on that? So it does make sense. This is all like tied back to how I said in the beginning, the mental health Mm -hmm. aspect of money, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Money, money is deeply rooted in our brain as like survival, social survival, actual survival. And the survival part of our brain is very much integrated with our mental health. In the beginning, you said you can make money fun. Can you tell me before we close out, like, tell me how to make it fun? (laughs) I mean, I know I like to spend money, but like how, like, how do you end up having clients that are like, this is fun? I think it really starts with trusting yourself and giving yourself permission to enjoy money. Permission. Like whenever we're like, oh, I like to shop and I probably shouldn't spend that much. What you're, what we do, and I've done this too, is we're kind of like taking away our own permission to enjoy the money that we're spending. Because we're, we're instantly telling ourselves it's wrong. And we, we have to learn how to not think about money as right or wrong. But instead, how you spend your money is just a decision, mm-hmm. right? So really learning to trust yourself, have your own back, And then I think there's also a piece, at least for me, with like knowing that, okay, I spent money on this thing, but I'm still on track for my other goals too. So it's like, it's okay. It's kind of like, yeah, it becomes fun. But like at the end of the day, being able to step back and be like, I did this, right? Like for me, my example is, okay, maybe I don't need to take my kids to Starbucks five days a week or six days a week, cut it down to three write that in my journal. I mean, there's, there's like lots of easy, quick things after talking to you for this 50 minutes that I've learned that Mm -hmm. if you just take a step back, this isn't scary. So me putting off this podcast episode for months, (laughs) I'm, I'm joking. It's not as bad as it, as I'm making it sound like it is. Um, but I think 
like in closing, before we close, I hope that my listeners are really thinking about this and listening to this because I happen to live in an area where, you know, everybody seems to have a lot of money. People are living beyond their means. I know that for a fact. And, um, and you know, I like to say to people, you can't take it with you. So yeah. Do I like a designer bag? I sure do have a few. I like them. Um, but you can't take it with you. So until you kind of really take a step back and go, I need to like get this in check and really figure out what my relationship with money is. I think it's so important. And so you and I will be talking offline, maybe coaching together. Cause I want to really figure out how to make my children or have my children have a different relationship than I did growing up with money. I think it's really, really important. So Mariah, if my listeners want to reach out to you for coaching or questions, where can they find you? Yeah. So I hang out the most on Instagram. Me too. Yes. I love Instagram at money coach Mariah. And I go live on there. I do like mini trainings next month, September, I'm doing like a free training. So you can definitely connect with me on Instagram. And I I do put out lots of different trainings and things. Um, If you want to work together, just find me on Instagram and send me a DM and we can talk about setting up like a free consultation. Um, And yeah, if you just want to reach out and share something with me, I'm here for it. So. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm sorry if I was in a pissy mood when we (laughs) we connected. I promise I'm, I'm like just your this conversation actually made me feel much much better so thank you for that it's a money win and and guys money is fun don't forget having money is fun right mariah (laughs) joking yes it Um, can be fun it can be fun it can be fun um so we're gonna close with thank you mariah for coming on reach out to her everyone i know i will be Um, I always love you all. I'm so appreciative of your support and listening. If you ever, if any of you ever um, would like to reach out to me, you can reach out to me on my Instagram, Judging Megan. You can also, um, I'm always looking for guests, by the way. Um, So people that have gone through some sort of trauma, Mariah actually reached out to me. I was like, you, I would love to talk to you selfishly, but also I think it's important for people to really talk about money. Um, so you can reach out to me. You can apply to be on the show at judging Megan. And I always love referrals. And I think sharing our stories is what makes the world a better place. So don't be afraid to reach out and talk about your struggles. I think it's really important in these times, especially So in closing, be happy by making other people happy. Thanks, Mariah. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.